Well, good morning. I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible. We're just looking at poly and meaning versus message. And this morning, uh, I found that I'm understanding why there's so much confusion and misunderstanding. Because what we were talking about, I can't remember how we started on to this, but we were talking about, uh, oh yes, well, it was the Dalai Lama talking about the Heart Sutra. And he was talking about uh, teachers. And this is a common question. Do you need a teacher? Uh, in Vajrayana, they definitely talk about a Vajra guru being necessary. But he was talking about it. Well, if you had a Lama and he passed, you could visualize the Lama and remember him or the teachings. Or, I mean, I argue the Dalai Lama himself does the same when he um, studies Kamalashila or Chantarakirti because uh, he's visualizing and he's studying. But that got me to, uh, what was it? Well, I mean, the nature of self. I started thinking about gentlemen uh, seeking special powers or, um, again, just rewording the Dhamma in such a way that they can resell it. Uh, and it, it got me thinking, oh, that's what it was. It got me to thinking to fetters. Because he mentioned about who is a good teacher. That's where it came down to. He said, who is a good teacher? And essentially... When I broke down the list that he gave, he would sens uh, you'd essentially have to fall under the Arhat category. Because here, um, oh, I jumped down a little bit. So, you have your stream winner, your once returner, your non-returner, and your Arhat. You have moral virtue, concentration, wisdom, and then the fetters that they break. So, he was implying that they should have moral virtue... In control, sila. Concentration, samadhi, in control. Wisdom, pana, prana, in control. Um, so I would argue that maybe he didn't mean that you had to be complete with the moral, complete with the concentration. So what I did is I went back and translated the Pali directly. So it definitely talks about having moral virtue in control. That's why I'm using these words. It's commonly translated as complete or limited. But again, the idea here, when I've already done this study of uh, even the fourth jhana, you still have to worry about that stuff leaking back in uh, when you're no longer uh, in complete shamadi, right? The uh, absorbs, uh, meditative absorption. So what I started to look at then, the difference between a stream winner, once returner, non-returner, and arhat, or who would be a good teacher? Someone who has moral virtue and control, and they're supposed to be very still, he said, but, I mean, concentration. They should be um, arguably past that first few steps where following the breath or attaining samadhi or a really good fixed concentration uh, becomes almost effortless. Now, wisdom, again, you can argue understanding the nature of self uh, is... Arguably, uh, really, that's, you know, that would be uh, limited because you're not going to get complete wisdom, complete virtue and concentration and uh, break all the fetters. That's an arahat. But again, we won't go into that. So here, looking at this list, who can be a teacher? So you can just be, again, limited uh, in your uh, concentration, wisdom, uh, they say complete in your moral virtue. 
And I'm going to get to why I mentioned those two. So your moral virtue should be complete just to be a stream winner. Your concentration limited, your wisdom limited. But you should have broken the first three fetters. Samjoyana. 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 Those fetters, the first three being self-identity view, sakaya, ditti, sakaya, a Pali word uh, that actually means, um, this is by memory here, uh, so it's, it's holding to the truth of self-identity. And when you get, say, someone like Pia Tan, we'll translate it and break it down for you, he'll say that it's um, just an understanding that the nature of self, right? So there is no permanent self in you or in Dharma. So that's the first fetter, self-identity view, Sakaya Ditti. Ditti being view, Sakaya, this idea of attaching to the permanence of self. That's what Sakaya means. The second fetter being spiritual doubt. Vikicha. It's tough because they don't always put in Vikicha. This is spiritual doubt. Okay? And then, let's just take a look here. That one I didn't uh, copy. My apologies. Oh, I can pause it. Oh, right, sorry about that. But yes, I didn't have that page open. I was onto a different page. So, vichicha. Uh, so it's vichicha. They're all separate little, right? So it breaks down to doubt. Doubt, hesitate, distracted, but in particular, uh, doubt, uncertainty, right? We talked about this doubt. Uh, and it's specific doubt. Remember, uh, the great doubt versus doubt in the prescription. So this is spiritual doubt. This is having doubt that morality is the path. And, right? So it's pretty simple. That's probably why I didn't copy and paste it. The third is the real sticky part. The third fetter being attachment to rituals and vows. The reason why um, I went and looked at this one, because it depends on who you uh, read on the translations, right? Because in Pali, this is silabata paramaso. Uh, and it can be translated as attachment to trust in good works, ethics, and rituals. That one's a little awkward. Alienating moral principles, adherence to rules and observances, Wrong judgment as to rules and ritual. Wrong judgment as to rules and ritual. Grasping at precepts and practices. That's a modern translation by a modern translator. And finally, attachment to right and ritual. Now, there'd be a few other translations out there. But if you break it down, sila bata. Sila, nature, character, habit, morality. Buddhist, Buddhist ethics, code of morality. right? And bata being good works and ceremonial ceremonial observances. So pretty simple. Silabata is the Buddhist code of morality put into practice with good works and ceremonial observances, right? These ceremonial observances could be the practice itself or a casino. Right? Because uh, paramasa or paramaso, just a change, um, grammatic change is touching contact being attached to but you go a little further it can mean perverted right oh, sorry 
I, I do appreciate that. So here we have them translating what is just saying, don't attach to any of these practices because it's in the Heart Sutra. Again, this is why it made me think of this. If you read the Heart Sutra, uh, well, mostly commentaries. And I like this, so we'll go gate, gate, paragate, parasamgate, bodhisoha. Um, the gate, gate, you got your progress along the path. Paragate, again, a, another word meaning um, other, para, gate, side, right? Or um, go to, or, right? And it means, there's different meanings, obviously, uh, contextual. And parasamgate, sam, sama, we know this to be best or better. And so here's the idea. Once you've reached that other shore, that you don't attach to the Dhamma. You know, the idea is if you use a boat uh, to cross, once you've reached the other shore, you don't carry the boat with you. I know it's an awkward, but here's the idea that I use. Think of this paragate and parasamgate as two sides to a river, same. But think on one side of the river, Paragate. You're at the beginning of the dependent uh, state. So you understand, but you haven't experienced firsthand. So imagine this side of the river, you can't see anything but the river. That's all you can see, right? So all you see are your uh, fetters. All you see are the samsaric trouble that surrounds us, all of our delusions and our desires. You need to have that faith. And uh, once you've crossed that river, gone from paragate, right? You've settled your morality. You've settled um, um, concentration, right? You're not um, moved by the river as you once were. And finally, once you've reached that other shore, that's where you can see the vistas, the, the fields and the mountains and the trees and the forests and the animals and the bees. But on the other side of the river, you can't have that doubt and must maintain that same shraddha, shraddha of faith, commitment, devotion to the prescription but no attachment. This is what I find incredible, is here we have endless examples uh, where, I mean, the first is self-identity view. Sure, you don't have to uh, be completely uh, immune to the self, but you have to understand that it's not about the self, right? You, of course, have to eliminate that doubt and non-attachment to rituals and vows, but yet... I will sit, and I can't think of myself of a teacher that would qualify under these categories, right? Because morality, I mean, you definitely can't be abusing your position for any sort of, you know what I mean. Because that takes us to the next, the fourth, sensual lust, which is kama. Well, he translated it a little different here, but... Uh, I can't remember where I got. Hold on here. Let me get the actual poly up again. Here we go. 
It's Kamachando. Kamachando. I mean, even the fourth is commonly mistranslated. Kamachando. Um, let me just... I think I copied that. Yeah, here we go. Uh, chanda, an impulse, a will, a wish. Raga, exciting desire. Right. So this idea is um, to attach to. But again, kama, in this case, uh, it's simply meaning any sort of sensory experience. So it can be desiring uh, to spend all your time listening to music or desiring uh, to do nothing but dance or desiring to do nothing but X. But it doesn't have to be a specific. As we know, the human being will exchange one addiction for another. This is talking about addiction to the form, to feeling, to mind, to dhamma, to self. Again, they all tie in, but kama chanda isn't specifically sexual desire or sexual, uh, any of these sensual, sensual, doesn't say anything about sex in there, kama chando. It's desire for action, arguably, but in this case it means bodily type action because of the particular accents. But eh, neither here nor there. <laughs> I just thought I'd share this morning the Silabata Paramaso Trust in ethics, effort, and ritual to bring about the pain. I wouldn't say that's the proper translation. I argue that Silabata Paramaso would simply be attachment to the practices that we use, and even worse, perverting those practices. And I can't think of very many teachers who don't do the same. I can't think of uh, very many teachers who aren't ego-driven, who uh, you know don't either have or instill this great spiritual doubt because they're breaking the first three fetters, let alone some of the others on this list, right? Or attachment to rituals and vows. When I spent the first 15, 20 years of my um, practice life being told I was wrong, that I didn't feel that you had to sit cross-legged in the lotus. I mean, it's only been a, um, a recent change that it's common these teachers will say, that, oh, it's okay to sit or to stand or to lie down depending on your physical limitations. Never mind getting into the sensual lust, I mean, the reason why we talk about sexual is because it goes right back to the Pali. I mean, the Buddha had to talk about it being a problem back then. And it's no different today. I don't know of very many sects that are free of these, um, what would you call them? I don't know. Free of these allegations and, I mean, known issues. I mean, we're human beings, obviously, but we're also human beings who, like I said, almost any teacher should have the moral virtue complete. What that means is he understands that you don't go around um, having rela sexual relations with your students. and Yeah. So, I mean, that's where this goes back up to the spiritual doubt. Right? If your teacher is telling you, oh, well, you know, I can drink alcohol because I use it to... Yeah. Or... You know, you see these um, abhorrent practices going on, right? Uh, I don't know how many times I've seen uh, a Buddhist monk being driven around just last year. 
driven around in a Bentley. I know if I were a monk, I wouldn't be happy with that. That just, it's the opposite of what we're striving for. Because here I found myself guilty of this, wondering, um, not wondering, knowing this perception, this external perception that you don't drive, you know, Cadillac or Mercedes, um, you're not successful. And I find that hilarious. I find that hilarious. I mean, falls under the uh, the definition of insanity. But hope you all have a great day. And uh, I guess uh, a dual discussion of um, what would constitute as a qualified teacher and a translation of the fetters. Just the first four. Just the first four. Five is repulsion. Six is lust for form existence. Seven lust for form less existence, eight conceit, nine restlessness, and ten ignorance. So, <laughs> it doesn't get more ignorant than, say, for example, someone who might claim arhatship, but strives for spiritual powers, like flying or walking through walls, doesn't understand that the translation of idi is not magical powers. It's this extraordinary power of compassion for one's enemy. Because it is surely easy to have compassion for oneself, but one must remember it tends to come with attachment. That is why one's enemy is one's best teacher. It teaches one uh, selflessness, all of the Brahma-viharas, all at once. But neither here nor there. Have a great day.